You who, who, who are a lucky duck. You are listening to this podcast. Lucky ducky, here we are, Carl and Nick. Derailed conversations. Episode 15. Where we talk about everything and anything. I can't remember, just read the thing behind, below. Or hang around for 24 minutes and 6 seconds because that's how long it is. But I am going to edit out some of her stuff. So, um... Nice to see you again. You look great in that outfit. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I don't ask questions anymore when you disappear. I'm like, he's gone into his artist cave. Oh, that's so funny. Everybody <laughs> says that. In fact, I, I, um, I just... I just... Mine from the swing dance world. And someone else said, have you seen Carl? Have you seen Carl? What happened? And he goes, how long have you known Carl? And the guy goes, a year. <laughs> he goes, well, I've known him four. He goes, what's going to happen is this. He'll disappear. And he, apparently he needs to recharge his batteries or something from humanity. And he, we may miss him for a whole year. But then he'll, he'll just show up <laughs> as though nothing happened and continue like it's there was so no space. This is, this is like 20, what, 20? How many years do I know you now? Uh, it's funny, but... I- of a um i think it's a result of lifestyle because i moved Mm -hmm. around so much don't you yeah yeah and plus you know i think when you're producing content all the time in whatever form physical or digital you do need that space and time to recharge i mean i do i know that i cannot keep blogging every day you know i cannot keep writing well it can get get, um benign you know um number one they say that andy warhol gathered up are for like 10 years before he mm-hmm. moved or activated, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But also, um, I did you ever do therapy? No. Okay, well, it's high time. I'm going to be a therapist. So, <laughs> so um, I, I had a friend. I mean, I've got all these kind of conflicting philosophical worlds going on with my groups of friends, right? Mm-hmm. So this, this hodgepodge of everything under the sun uh, in these different worlds. And one of them said, he went to therapy for a long time. He goes, everybody can benefit from going to therapy. So I went and I went more to explore, I think, than anything else. And certainly I already thought I knew more than the therapist. (laughs) 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 Which they say. Therapists need therapy too, is my philosophy. So. Well, you know, what's funny. I was listening to some interview last night and the woman says, I went to the therapist once and I paid him $120 and the guy didn't even say anything. But halfway through, he goes, well, I'm thinking of getting a divorce. Can you give me an advice? And the woman goes, <laughs> you, you want me to I'm paying and you want me to tell you the free advice. Right. <laughs> right. This is what I always maintain. Therapists need therapy. So, you know, and we well, brown what... people, we don't like I'm quoting someone. We brown people don't need therapy. Don't like therapists. <laughs> Well, the funny thing, I, so I, I went, thing. <laughs> I went for a, um, uh, for different reasons, but I went and I recorded it because okay. I wanted to, I wanted to um, be able to view what I was doing because it was talk therapy. And of course I like to talk, but um, I didn't know if I was just going to be going in circles. Right. And why bother to go down there, put on clothes and sit in that thing. If I'm just saying the same thing. So after, I think it was sort of like 35 sessions or something, I came back and I announced, you know what? I'm not coming anymore. It's ridiculous. While I like talking, 
Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think anything's changing. I mean, the result of me talking oh. is not causing any change in my life. Right, right, right. No, I hear uh, you. I hear anybody you. can sit around and talk. But, yeah. um, okay, so here's the, um, here's the American composer, uh, Sousa. are we doing a backlog today well i was thinking but i don't know are we allowed to talk anything about you and your life oh we can okay i mean it'll be good publicity as long as it's all good things well it's a it's an evaluation because you have come from a you used to be married Mm -hmm. and i was curious about this you you talked about you brought up the statement volatile relationships oh yeah okay that's true so i was wondering if you had any perspective or not about how to talk about this so I was thinking about these Arabs in the Arab market, and in a way, they're engaging in a very quick, volatile relationship with you when they're trying to haggle and get you to buy their product, right? And this is a kind of relationship. And, um, And, you know, based on certain things, I go away with or without their product. And very often, I think for Westerners, it's just... It's more to get him to be quiet. I'll buy the thing than it is any <laughs> right. Any interest to to terminate the relation right now, the relationship, and just go on with my, you know, least least amount of battle mm-hmm. to, <clears throat> to my plans for the day. And yeah. I began to think, I gosh, I wonder if if sort of marriages are like that, like for the least amount of embattlement, of what course, agreement, yeah. what agreement can we come up with? Yeah. Of course, but that's across the board. I'm not talking about just culturally. Uh, I mean, even an all-American apple pie as you get marriage where same. nobody's from. Yeah, same. I mean, the husband will do stuff to shut the wife up or vice versa, right? But I'm talking about, um, I, I'm not talking about that sort of a relationship. I'm talking about just even friends. And it's not to say all Indians are like that, but I do believe that culturally in the east there's an understanding i'm not talking about the far east i'm talking about the middle east and you know uh, south asia asia where um there's this understanding where you can have like a heated discussion about something and then the next minute go on about uh, life normal or another thing that i've noted noticed cross-culturally is this if I don't see one of my um, American friends, my Western friends, uh, for a while, don't communicate nothing, and I meet them, there's a, a little bit of an insecurity on their part, wondering if I am okay with them, if I'm mad at them <laughs> or okay with them. Whereas with uh, the far, uh, with the Middle East and the you know Near East. Near East, if you if you don't see each other, but then you meet up, it's like, oh, my gosh, like time has not passed. But there's this understanding yeah, that life, I, I guess maybe. OK, and this is another thought, maybe because in those countries, you know, at one yes. point in time, the logistics of even surviving 
are so yes. heavy yes. that it's it's a given that if I don't see somebody, he's just like trying surviving. to survive. Or, he's surviving yeah. somewhere. Whereas over here, there's a lot more free time in a sense. Uh, and so, and also I feel like there's this over here, there's a high, there's high competition here in the West, right? High competition. With that comes high insecurity. Okay. High. Uh, and I feel that there's a constant need for assurance. We're good. We're good. Believe me, we're good. I'm not mad. I'm just, you know, and if I say even for that matter, even on social media, I've noticed like when I have gone on a minor rant, only my friends who (laughs) know me very well will join in on the rant and will like say something even at the risk of offending me. And I'm like, yeah, I get into the heated discussion and then we forget about it. But there's no... um, hurling of insults <laughs> there's no feelings of insecurity it's just like oh yeah we had a nice heated discussion and we've gone on you know well and it's it's, it's i think we touched on this once it's nearly uh about maybe capacity to capacity. address topics without mm-hmm. uh well you just said something interesting hurling insults it's like can i talk about let's say these political differences mm-hmm. ending up saying and you're a dumb fat slob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. What's the Absolutely. what's the what's the what what does my weight and my intelligence have to do with the fact that you see exactly. what I'm saying? It's not exactly. it's not supposed to come up it's in this conversation. Supposed, yeah, it's not supposed to come up. No. But you know, volatility, like they expect it. I mean, uh, the, I think the Eastern cultures are much more open, except for like the Far East. The Eastern culture, Near East and Middle Eastern cultures are much more open with their emotions. Uh, So you know where you stand. You can see it on, like, my mom may not say a word, but I know from her expression exactly how she's feeling. So, (laughs) you know. uh, Well, it's actually, it's very sophisticated communication. I I studied um, horse training and horse raising. And um, this one guy observed the horses in the wild. And while the full, the way they educate, and this goes into all the different uh, educations of species, by the way, from the, from the parent down to the next generation for survival reasons, they have to know how to act and how not to act. And what I wanted to say about the horses is they have all these facial expressions, which, and ear movements, and no one outside of, you know, this special knowledge would understand what's going on. But in mm. fact, in the end, after all this training, where the the mayor began by using her whole body to force the cult into a certain location, in the end, all she has to do is one look with her eye, one movement mm. of her eye. And this is communication and the foal knows. And I, I like to think of that a little bit as a husband and wife and they're at dinner and the husband says something really dumb, which he doesn't know, except his eye, the eyes of his wife tell him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? The eyes that's of my true. wife just tell me her leg can't reach under the table to kick me. Her no. eyes just told me, oh, that oh, was really yeah. d- That was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a child growing up um, and we would have guests over. And of course, you know, there would be like a plate of delicacies on the table. And uh, like we children would be eyeing it. And, you know, of course, we were we were in that era where children were meant to be seen but not heard. <clears throat> and uh, so, like, say there was a last bit of, um, you know, cookie on the plate and 
everybody's eyeing it. My mom would just give me and my brother a look like, don't you dare touch it. <laughs> so and you didn't guess. touch. And you didn't touch. Yeah. So. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, that sort of, um, so the volatility of, yeah, I find like the, the and I, I don't know, maybe I thrive on those sort of, I don't like insipid people. I feel like. <laughs> what kind I, of people? Insipid. <laughs> What? Can you say it one more time? Insipid. Insipid. I, oh, you're going to have to explain that one. So uh, when I say insipid, it's like no flavor. Absolutely no flavor. There oh, has, okay. Yeah. I mean, you you know, uh, like, don't be boring. Like, it, you know, and don't, for the sake of political correctness, keep your mouth shut. Come on, bring it out on the table. Let's talk. You know, I mean, otherwise I get I get bored and I, I'm like, OK, let's move. Well, on how do you this. survive? How do you survive in um, the educational context with all those people crammed into a, 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 a teacher's? Yes. I, well, I suppose at the same teachers. Teachers, at the same time, you develop, I think, these other skills. This is the very interesting thing about multifaceted um, people, right? Yeah. They, uh, they, they, I think you develop, I guess my question is how to be like that, but not be hated well, by learn, all those other teachers. Right. You, you learn the art of diplomacy. And by that, I yes, don't mean that yes. you're straddling the fence. You just uh, learn what to say, when to say it more, yeah. more appropriately, you know. And so I've been in situations since I was 22, which are not only multicultural, but actually at cross purposes with my thinking and my value system. But how do you survive that? You know, I've lived in Saudi Arabia, flying aircrafts with Saudi Mutawas, who are the Saudi, uh, you know, the religious priests. And when they come to know, yeah, she's a flight attendant, but she doesn't uh, drink, smoke or go partying. She's going back to her room. Like I've had people say, you know, like, why don't you become a good Muslim? You are so good. And so you learn how to navigate questions like that, thinking like that without offending somebody about yeah. their belief or faith. But uh, and that's one thing I see that is very lacking here, especially in our so such a polarized atmosphere that we're living here in America is like I, I understand straight talk. I am a straight talker, but I un also understand the art of saying something in such a way that the person is not offended, but is actually using that as a learning experience where you're not, I'm not afraid and I'm not going to walk on eggshells around people. But at the same time, I'm here to entreat you over to uh, at least understand my way of thinking, if not accept it, right? So how do I do that, uh, you know, without, you know, and, and it's, a, it's really a skill where you learn how to be in kind of, kind of people and I guess you know when you train to be a flight attendant there's all that poise and decorum and you know just the way you you I mean going to Have a Catholic to. yeah yeah and just going to a Catholic run school and where manners were so important you know and then being raised in a house where my mom is like the art of diplomacy my dad not so much my dad was a straight talker he was a quiet man but he talked when he talked you listened you know, um, but my mom was quiet. You, she kept her cards close to her chest. Uh, but if you asked her, she would become very animated and you knew exactly where she stood. So growing up and being raised like that, um, 
I was like that until a few, you know, years after coming here where I was like, okay, I'm just going to say what, what's on my mind. But I was doing it not so nicely, you know, and then I had to learn the hard way. Okay, you know, people are not really ready to hear your thoughts, even though you think they are. So develop like, you know, it's uh, don't yell or shout or say I'm going to be rude and mean, but uh, like develop and like, you know, polish your craft. Well, even even tone, even Mm -hmm. tones, because it's funny you're saying this and you were born abroad. And one of my other friends who is the best at this kind of offending, maybe accidentally, is also born abroad. (laughs) And so what. There is this kind of standard that's acceptable somewhere else. Right. That needs to be tweaked, I think. Yes. Yes. And even I've changed by living abroad and come back. I'm like a little wild. Right. right. And and I find, you know, I mean, of course, now in this culture now, it's like the... You know what are they? What do they call it? The cancel culture, where everything offends everybody or somebody. You you say a sentence and it goes out in five different directions. I wanted hit to at least three people the wrong way. I wanted to say I was watching this court case, um, and I wondered, did if you've ever noticed or, or 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 had the opportunity to witness any of this. So, what became clear to me, and I'm going to try to be concise without getting into all the gory details. The offense which brought the person into the court was one kind of a thing, right? This is one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But the punishment and the judgment that was passed down mm-hmm. was more based on the behavior of the, let's say, the, the perpetrator of the crime in the courtroom. So the, mm-hmm. the, offense, the offense was one thing, driving without some sticker on the car. But the punishment was because the judge was appalled by the absence of repentance or absence of caring. And so this second judgment was the real price that needed mm-hmm. to be paid. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very, a very interesting point. And when I've been in court to pay, try to get out of paying parking tickets or whatever, the judge always turns to the, the policeman and says, was he compliant? Mm. And so there's this second tier thing that I think a savvy person has to learn, which is it's one thing that I ran the red light, but it's quite another thing how I speak right now about having read the run the red light. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Yeah. So the second the second failure the first failure was to run the street light but the second failure is to behave inside a way that shows understanding of this jurisdiction and then i have either one payment or no payments for the first or two payments for society because of my behavior right now exactly but but again Again, it comes down to like, how, what is your value system? How were you raised? Uh, 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 you know, I'm not saying, and I'm going to balance it out because I, I teach in a school, right? You go to correct a child and some of them were like, I'm sorry, you know, and immediately, you know, comply. Uh, others uh, like literally verbally give you the middle finger. Um, and so it's it's a question of how is that person going to receive 
uh, one, what is this culture we're living in of where there's a lack of respect for any kind of authority, right? Look what's happening to our police, right? Yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I have a very different way of thinking uh, where I believe, you know, just, uh, you know, respect the other person. I'm well, good luck with that one. But my, that, but, but here's respect the other person. But here's my know? point about the court case I saw. The woman was from right. Hungary, and uh-huh. so in her mind, this was the the perpetrator of the crime, let's say, and her blunt, clear communication, right? And these are the descendants of Tatars, right? So they mm-hmm. they have this whole history. And another thing about this whole East, which you keep bringing up, the difference I would say is because they have hundreds and maybe of culture informing their behavior yes, which america american does not americans do not have yes, but my point I... is her blunt communication about the topic right. was misinterpreted as disrespect for the court yeah so in her mind i don't even think she caught that she was just so aghast at the what she thought was bizarre behavior and she interpreted yeah. that as an attack against her meanwhile guess what the court interpreted her speech as an attack against them so here's this yeah. this classic example of two cultures colliding and neither of them because they were so volatile they're, they're, they're defending their own point and by their own cultural standards uh, justifiably so yeah, I, you brought up a very good point. And I like I, I was in an interview the other day and uh, talking about my work. And uh, I said that the U.S. military actually created my position some years ago because we found that our boys were going overseas and being slaughtered for no reason. I mean, other than the fact that we're going into enemy te- territory. But um, because a lot of times there was miscommunication because of not not knowing the language, but not knowing the underlying yes. culture and the yes. nuances behind the language. Yep. And so the position of an LREC, which is a language region and culture consultant, which is what I do, came into being so that we could train. And there's different for different, you know, theaters of operations around the world. So... Um, but, you know, and I had the privilege of being on a, a committee of eight people where we were actually called in and for different for Europe, for Far East, you know, South Asia, like me and, your, you know, Central and South America, where we actually were providing recommendations for curriculum uh, on what our special forces should know when they go into a certain region. Uh, not yeah. only the language, we're not teaching them the language. Language now anyone can learn, but learn and understand the nuances of culture. And and all these movies, like anyone who's really watching the movies that have to do with these volatile relationships between nations and armaments mm-hmm. and then ending up in war, there's always this kind of middle interpreter guy that's uh, frustrated yeah. because one of the sides yeah. or the other is not learning this um very mm-hmm. interesting stuff i want to maybe we'll pick this up another time because i want to keep sure. this short and uh good to connect reconnect with you I and know. i'll keep in touch <laughs> okay sounds right. good carl right. nice talking Bye-bye. with you Wasn't that wicked good? So my friend says, Kyle, you only send me one. Uh, I want to listen to him. And I'm like, 
dude, you have to either subscribe. Hello, I thought everybody knew that. Or you have to keep going either to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Bleaker, all these different things, Breaker. Um, but I can't just send it to them every week. So hopefully you guys will figure it out and listen because it makes you feel like a million bucks.